What's up, everybody? Triple Option in studio. Going to start off with the Indians since we skipped them last week. Going to kick it to Tyler so he can tell us how they've been doing. Indianapolis Indians went 8-5 and five over the past two weeks. Um, they were relatively up and down. They did have one game postponed on the 18th, so they played a doubleheader on Wednesday. It was an 8-1 victory, 5-3 victory. And there's there also a lot of higher-scoring games like I uh, commented on earlier in the month. There was a 10-5 uh, seven to nine, uh, four to eight, five to seven, seven to one, uh, eight to one, five to three. There's a lot of high scoring games, so it looks like this month they were really kind of slightly over five hundred, five hundred ish with really some up and down games, and uh, did were had the ability to score a lot of runs, but also did give up a lot more runs than usual. Pops, what's traditionally a pretty good winning percentage in baseball? Is it about seventy percent, or is that too high? Sounds Sixty really high. is considered good. Just because of the length of the season, if you're doing seventy, you're basically running running away and setting records. So, you know, the thing is with baseball, um, you are going to go through some streaks to where you're just not playing well because of the fact it's just long. It's a long season. I mean, in, in AAA, you're going to be shuffling people in and out. You know, and if you get new people, that the, the Indians have lost Garrett Cole, so you know that might have had an effect on their pitching staff. And it, it's just a situation that. Like I said, no, nobody. There's an old saying in baseball for when they talk about the majors that everybody goes sixty and sixty. Then it just depends on what you do on the on the on the last forty two games. But you know, uh, it happens being up and down. So, Ty, what does their schedule look like home wise? Will it be a victory field over the next week or so? For most of July, they are going to be away for a lot of the beginning. Okay. Through up to July 25th, they're only going to have four home games out of over 20 home games. And then they have, at the end of the July, they'll have a home streak. So for the most part, in the upcoming few weeks, they'll be mostly on the road. They have some spotty home games. They have Louisville games that have two days in between them and two home games at, uh, against Colorado. But over the next three weeks, next three to three and a half weeks, they'll basically be on the road almost the entire time. Indianapolis Indians are 54-29. and 29. They are 13 and a half games above the Louisville Bats in the International West, and they have the best record by three games over the Durham Bulls. They are 65, uh, 6.51%, so in between what we thought, 16 70%. That's actually, that's historic's not the right word, but that's better than a, a good above-average season, right? Yes, but, you know, you could probably pass that off as just minor leagues, so, I mean, you know, the, the competition's probably not as stiff. Because if if you played 651 ball in a major league season, you won 105 games. And what's the most? Like 110, right? Seattle won, I think, 110 in 2001, I believe. Got the um, record? No, I think they won 114. That's a lot of wins. <laughs> what do so? When do minor league playoffs start? Uh, usually the week Labor Day. Usually the Labor Day weekend is the last of the regular since the playoffs begin a couple of days after Labor Day. Do they do it in the same format as majors? Is it like two best of three? You know, at this point, four teams qualify, and I believe it's I believe it's like uh, opening rounds two or three, and I think the championships three out of five. I, I believe. So realistically, we we shouldn't. I mean, I think they've they've sealed their spot. I think you said two weeks ago we were talking about them. I think you said they sealed their spot in the playoffs. They're just battling out for home field throughout, correct? Yes, and you know, just winning to win because obviously they're professionals. So I mean, you know, you continue you continue to play games and you know just don't take time off. So yeah, home field, 
you know, and, and, and these guys are trying to impress and get promoted. So, you know, it's not like they get towards the end of the year, they can mail it in and say, I'm going to go home and play golf. These guys are literally trying to get promoted and play for careers in the major leagues. So you would expect them just to play it all the way through. Right. And so obviously, as Tyler said before, they're gone this month, but hopefully, well, not hopefully, we'll see some playoff baseball at Victory Field when it comes time. What's going on with uh, Garrett Cole? Get our Garrett Cole update in here. He's had four starts. He's 4-0. and He's only had one outing where he's gone less than six innings, and he's given up no more than three runs at all, at all in two of those outings, two runs in two of those outings. So three of the four would be considered a quality start. The other went 5.2 innings with three earned runs. So basically everything's been a quality start. Not striking a lot of guys out, but clearly he's he's been a, an injection into the Pittsburgh who has the best record in, in the majors. So, I mean, obviously – Pittsburgh knew what they were doing to call him up, and he's clearly been, he's ready because he stepped up. He's 4-0, and he's pitched very well. Typically, don't when you see young pitchers, don't you see kind of an initial struggle for ones that are at least average to above average because batters just aren't familiar with them? Do you expect him to... Because baseball, they talk about you adjust, and then they the opponents adjust, and you have to adjust again. So have you seen anything that would suggest that I mean, I would expect maybe he comes back to earth a little bit, but what have you make of him through his first four starts? Well, I think I've said before, there's a thought process because of the use of videos that teams get a better idea earlier when, when they're scouting their own people and as to how successful they're going to be in the majors so that they're able to determine, is this guy worth it or are we wasting our time? That's why you're really starting to see a lot of young younger kids coming up sooner and having an impact and maintaining the impact um, because of the use of video uh, of, on recording the playing of their games so they could break down every aspect of their games and determine is this guy ready or not. So this guy's another in a long line of young kids at Shelby Miller. Wegg has come up this year, just to name a couple. Uh, Mike Trout last year. You know, Harvey come up last year. Wheeler has, looks pretty good this year. They're, they're just starting. That's that's the new trend is you get your young kids up sooner rather than later. They're spending less time in the minors than they are than what they than what they used to, and I think it's because teams know earlier because of advanced abilities to do scouting and decision-making that these guys are ready to go, and, and Cole's just another example of that. All right, of course, we'll go back to our regular pattern of following the Indians. We are actually going to leave them there and jump over to the Pacers because we had the NBA draft this past week and talk about what they did. Tyler, what are your initial thoughts about the what the Pacers did in the draft? I like their, who they drafted, Solomon Hill. He may give them flexibility with Danny Granger because Paul George will play small forward probably from here on out, and Danny Granger... Maybe move to a different position or possibly traded. I think they could use guard help because I think that's what hurt that could hurt them. Because I, I like Hibbert West as the front court. Paul George is a superstar, but I think they're what they need is guard help. And if anything, especially depth, because during the Eastern Conference Finals, they're playing like seven, maybe eight guys, and you just need more. You gotta, you gotta wear if you're gonna. Be as physical as that they are. They can't stay on the court that entire time because Hibbert and West were very physical, and George could be when he's playing defense hard. So they need depth behind those guys 
And so Hill could help out, or he could be depth for a trade of Granger to get even more depth. Well, I just, for reference, I'm not sure if you knew this, when Granger and George were both healthy, Paul George, not George Hill, they put Paul George at the two spot. Now, I, he's naturally a three because he's like 6'9". I like the Solomon Hill pick from the aspect of he's a senior, and like you said, I thought they needed some bench help. They needed some more depth, and as a senior, I think he'll be able to come right in and contribute. I've seen kind of mixed reactions on him. I saw during draft night, a lot of people were saying teams were surprised they took him, and the Pacers were getting a lot of phone calls to see if they want to trade him, and I've seen other people who say they reached for him. I thought it was a good addition. The thing that really surprised me is they sold their second-round pick, and I understand they have some guys they'd like to bring back, but they passed on... Guys like Deshaun Thomas and Peyton Silva, Silva, the guy for the point guard from Louisville, which surprised me because I think Augustine, who is their backup point guard this past year, is a free agent and he made about three million last year. I don't know if they'll be able to bring him back. And you know, a guy from Louisville that just won a championship, who's a leader, seems like a bad guy to pass. And for a team that plays physical, you know, scoring is always a big thing. And I, I'm really surprised Deshaun Thomas lasted until the third to last pick in the draft. I think the Spurs got an absolute steal. But I again, I he's a senior. I think he comes in immediately polished as Bulls fans. I think he comes in exactly like Taj Gibson, able to contribute right off the bench right away. Pops, what are what are you thinking here? Well, um, according to what I saw, Hill was somewhat of a surprise pick because he was projected to be early second round. You know, you could argue, I guess the Pacers saw something they like. It's not an exact science, but... He played on a young Arizona team. He could, you know, add some depth in the, in the front court because I don't know if the Pacers know what they're going to do with Granger. Uh, clearly, he has one year left. He could be interesting trade bait because of having one year left, though there are some people thinking that those expiring contracts hold a little bit less value than what they used to. Or he could be a guy that they could uh, develop and let Granger go. So at that point, of the first round, the 26th pick, you're just, you know, you're trying to get the best available. I think it's even more of a crapshoot than actually the top of the draft was. So, What do you think about them selling their pick? Because obviously, I think Augustine's a free agent. I think Hansborough is a restricted free agent. And then West is a free agent. And I think they they definitely want to bring David West back. And I think they should probably bring Hansborough back. But they, they have money to spend, but they have free agents to bring back. I think that... I can understand what you said with, you know, you wish they had taken Louisville and the, the Louisville guard in a sense. And I, like, I think that's a good point, but I, I think they, they're they really banking on they need the money to go get West. And I think that's true because West is one of the players that really came through in the finals or in the playoffs that nobody thought he would do that. That You know, you knew they had Hibbert, you knew they had uh, Paul George, you knew they had George Hill. And West was not thought of as much, but everyone saw what West could do in the playoffs and just how nasty he was playing defense. And I think they're banking on going big and staying big and basically, in a sense, buying this and like making a one-run way for this playoffs. I think they're saying, we were this close. If we just throw one thing on top and just put it all back together, we can actually win. And I think they, if with Granger back, with Solomon in, and with uh, Paul George... Having another year, I think they're basically just bringing it all, getting the band back together and saying, we can do this if we get everybody together. What do you think, Pops? Second round picks are not guaranteed contracts, okay? The first round pick is a guaranteed contract. So if it's a situation like they want to save money, they would have did what Dallas tried to do, which was try to sell their pick. 
to get rid of it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Oh, I agree, but that's what I read is that that's one of the reasons that behind their motivation was just that's to save some cash. Well, they could have drafted a foreign guy that is in and let him play overseas, and then they retain his rights, and then but you still have to pay him, which is the best of both worlds. You're getting a guy that could turn out to be a prospect at the same time you're not committing money. I understand. I agree with you. I think Tyler's point is right, though. I I think the thought process is with. Granger coming back healthy with Paul George and Hibbert getting another year. If they can bring back David West and get a little more contribution of the bench, maybe they think they can make a run. Because I think ultimately, and I guess this is open for interpretation or open for your opinion, I don't think David West's going to get a long contract. I think he's probably going to get another two- or three-year deal. So I think they're going to try and maintain some flexibility, especially if they keep Granger because he's going to expire. I mean, do you agree, disagree? Do you think they're going to trade Granger? I think going to trade Granger. You, you have to. I've heard some people think that they don't. They don't. They're not for sure if Wes is going to come back, because I think it's, it depends if someone decides to blow their doors, his doors off with an offer the Pacers cannot afford. One would think that based upon their what they did in the playoffs was that you need to get him back. I think you do, but I, I think you got to temper how much you're going to pay him because I think he's no young pup coming off ACL, and I think the future of the team is with lies around Paul George, Granger. You could bring him back. We could get rid of him. I, I just don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it's possible they could play him, go with him for another year. That would provide depth. And, you know, then he'll be an expiring contract. He'll be gone. What do you think about, let's say the Pacers bring back Hansborough and West, which I think is ultimately their offseason goals. They need a backup point guard, which I'm not sure at this point in time. But how do you feel about a Pacers lineup with a starting five of George Hill, Paul George, Granger, West Hibbert, and then on your bench you have Hansborough, Mahimi was their backup five, who was all right, and then you have Hill, and now Stevenson, who was a starter for you for most of the second half last year in the playoffs, now is off the bench as well. I'm just not for sure how Granger is going to play in, simply because I think his reputation towards the end of the last few years was just shoot first, shoot again, shoot some more, and then ask questions. I'm not for sure how that's going to play out. He, you know, you're going to have to hope that. Vogel is able to kind of blend in the team ideal and, and figure out, you know, ultimately who is your who's your alpha dog right here? Who's your top guy? I think because I'm assuming Granger's going to say it's me and then I'm, George had such a good season and projects to be potentially one of the next great players. I can't imagine him wanting to take a back seat for Granger for one year. So I'm not for sure. I mean, I, I would have some reservations simply because, you know, is that going to really work out? I think I think they exceeded everyone's expectations without Granger because the prior year they got knocked out in the semis and this year they pushed the Heat and arguably could have gone to the finals. So I mean, will Granger add to it or will he detract from it? I I don't really know. Tyler, what do you think? I think in Granger's defense, he was I would say if he he was shooting a lot. But there was no team that was legitimately on the cusp. And now, if it can get through his head, and I think, you know, he, he can see this, there's, there's a team right there that has a shot at winning a championship. At least a good shot at going to the playoffs. And they prove, or I'm sorry, going to the finals. And they proved that this past year without him. You know, they, it seems as if they just need one more thing. And they say, you know, come in. We're, we're a great team. You know, blend in with us. And we can get there. And so I think. All players, I think, have an ego to a point, but I think all of them can see, I got something good here, and if I can 
be a good team. And, you know, if he can come in as a good teammate and be like, I got these other players around me, I don't have to take all these shots, that they could make it possibly to the finals next year. I'd like to think that he could blend in just because he's been a pacer for so long and he's kind of been loyal to them. I think he just wants to win as bad as anybody else. But I think I I completely understand where Pops is going from. Even I think Pacers fans, who I have a few friends, obviously, that are, have said that Granger's more of a chucker. So I, I think your concerns are legitimate. I don't think they'll trade him because I think their thought process is along what Tyler is. If they can get another bench player and Granger can bring them something that they, that just pushes them that little bit more that they can get to the finals. And once you get to the finals, I think all bets are off, sort of. Speaking of the NBA draft, before we wrap it up, do you want to talk about it a little bit, make some comments? I mean, did anybody surprise you with what they did? A really good draft? Somebody had a really bad one that kind of caught you off guard? I thought the, I thought beyond Bennett take, being taken first, the fact... Not the fact that Nolan's Noel fell, but the fact that Ben McElmore fell at a seven was a huge surprise to me because Noel had injury problems, but McElmore's only thing was they were unsure. He kind of disappeared, but everybody knew he had the talent. He was probably the best guard in that draft, and the fact that he fell that far is kind of... is like, you know, everyone says there's always that player who'd be like, oh, you got to coach him up, but you can coach up anybody. You can't get over a lack of talent or injury problems, but you, you can coach up somebody. So somebody not take that shot until seven is surprising to me. Yeah, but typically the, what I heard from him is he's kind of boneheaded guy. And in the NBA, boneheaded guys typically don't make it up to their potential anyway. Fair Plus enough. he went to Sacramento, which I think is like it's like anybody going to the Oakland Raiders in the NFL. Sacramento is like the whole Is it's it like, is it like is it like central to going to the Clippers? It, it's it's NBA wasteland. Yeah, I mean, the there's already the there's not enough balls that get passed around in Sacramento, and they just took another guy who's a shooter. I think it's just like a bunch of guys getting together at the CYO to play. Very, it's just it's street ball, undisciplined. You know, it, it's just it's it, it's organization that's rudderless. He's got no direction, and he I think it's apropos because of his rep that he fits in with a bunch of guys that just that is a, the, that's the most dysfunctional team in the league, and you just added a guy who's a shooter. That's a good one. Maybe if they play with four or five basketballs, it would work. It just, but it doesn't work that way. And to Tyler, to, to to say that you can coach everybody up, no, you can't. If those guys are headstrong and they're not going to listen to you, there's there's a long list of players from the NBA who uh, wouldn't accept coaching and are longer, no longer in the league. I think this is probably the worst draft I've seen in 10 years. And there's a lot of thought that teams were trading down because the next year's draft is supposed to be so much better with guys like Wiggins and Jabari... Uh, Greer, I think, right? Uh, no, uh, Jabari... Uh, Parker? Parker. That's guys like that that they Hammett think are coming Purdue. out that, that these, this could be the best draft maybe since LeBron's draft. I, I've, heard, I've heard 05 and 03. So th- this draft... I, I don't know. I mean, what, what was worse for Charlotte? To have like the worst record in the league or to get the fourth draft pick? You know, none of these guys, I think, deserve the money they're getting. I think, and, you know, does it surprise you that Michael Jordan overdrafts Zeller? No, it doesn't. And and any draft that has Victor Oladipo, number two, in my book, has got a problem. Was there anybody you thought did have a good draft, even though it was a weak class? I thought 76ers taking Nerlens Noel was a good choice and moving on from the whole... I think the Sixers dumping... I'm going and moving... All right, let me say mine. I'm moving on from... What's his name? Bynum was a good choice to go on and say we're 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 dumping Bynum. We're going to take take a chance with Noel to pops. The, the Sixers dumping Tyreek Evans. No, dump, Drew Holiday. Drew, Drew Holiday. Holiday. Wow, not even to close. eliminate him and and to, and to pick up Noel 
and clearly tell Bynum Arrivederci was a bold move, and I think probably the right move because Holidays is just a very another undisciplined guy that ought to be playing for Sacramento. You know they have a new GM. I think it was just time. He's like, nope, we're gonna we're gonna do go in another direction. I think honestly. Well, I don't know if Noel will be anything more than maybe an Omeka Okafor, a guy that's, you know, talented, could rebound a defensive player. But, you know, I don't, I'm not for sure where he's going to be in the NBA. I think the fact that they're out to offload another salary, like Drew Holiday, and go in another direction, I think might have been probably the best move of the night in the draft. Like I said, it was just extremely nondescript and just over, you'd have to access one of the worst, again, one of the worst ones I've seen. They cleared a lot of cash. I thought that personally, and this is me, I think that Trey Burke was the most talented player in the draft, and I think Utah was a perfect Very fit for green. him. I thought Minnesota did pretty well getting Shabazz Muhammad, even though I think he's a bit of one of those guys you you worry about maybe being kind of a knucklehead, as they say. But getting him at 14, I think, is probably a pretty good pickup. And then they got Dang, who we were talking about for the Bulls, who I think is kind of the perfect compliment for Kevin Love, who can play inside but steps outside, and Dang's one of those athletic guys that can shield the rim. And I think he's obviously, as a senior on a winning team, probably a good guy to inject into your NBA culture. Well, I think I, I will agree with you on that Trey Burke thing. I think, well, what what pick, What do you know what number pick that was? Uh, 12, I think. Yeah. Um, I think no, no, no. Burke added that team. He was nine. It, I think Burke added that team instantly makes them smarter, work harder. And I think he, he to me, is, I'm not saying like talent, but just kind of like the Chris Paul, like, I think he could immediately just be the captain and he will just, he could just lead that team. I agree with that. I think Trey Burke is a phenomenal player. I think so too. The other one I wanted to point out, they picked, the Spurs picked a French guy that's supposed to stay overseas for another year, which makes sense because they're kind of full up in roster spots. But getting Deshaun Thomas in the third to last pick, I thought was an amazing pickup, especially after you watch them shoot threes this year. I, the kid can flat-out score. He's kind of weak on defense, and I think he probably rebounds weak for his size. But I think ultimately the NBA boils down to putting the ball in the bucket, and this kid can shoot. And going to the Popovich and the Spurs is just its, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. Take that, Blair. Take that. We're going to be watching another Spurs final. Could Well, they got a lot of decisions. Was there anybody else that stood out to you, Pops, besides the fact that the draft was weak? No, I don't have anything to say because it was, it was again, I, it was ridiculous. Tyler, then, do you have any last thoughts on the draft? Mm, Spurs, Bulls, 2014 finals, hard to call it. Wow, that's a bold prediction, my friend. It's a very bold prediction. I am nothing but bold predictions. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up for the triple option this week. Make sure to check out the Facebook page, the Twitter page. Check out our partner, Three Sports Guns, as well. And signing off, I'm Blair Gunther. Tyler Gunther. Harold Gunther. We'll catch you guys next time.